but I wanted to talk about the body of Christ. So if you guys want to open up to uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, then um, we can start. And um, before we do start, I would like to pray. So, um, dear God, um, thank you for bringing us here, and thank you for the testimony uh, Tatiana shared, and thank you for all the help um, from everyone for the wedding yesterday, and uh, thanks for celebrating that with us, and um, just help everyone to get something out of this sermon and to realize that we are all vastly important in the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, if you went to the wedding, you probably saw the body of Christ working. Uh, everyone working the kitchen and doing all the serving was awesome. And everyone who chipped in with the cooking and everything it was really great. So if you guys want to open it up, uh, 1212, 1 Corinthians 1212, um, the body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, uh, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not the eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were, were an eye, were, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker and are indispensable and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are un, unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body has, and has given strong or greater honor to parts that lack it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that it's all its parts have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. Okay. As I'm reading that, I'm thinking about Chuck, his eyes. <laughs> yeah, we're all suffering because he can't see. Now I have to preach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did make a deal and this time I'm keeping my end of the deal so um, <laughs> Tatiana makes me accountable um, yeah so what I want to do is kind of help you imagine something I want you to imagine that you are Abraham right now that that you are told by God that you need to go out and to sacrifice your son, right? And you're like, really? Like, do I have to? And then how am I, as Abraham, going to explain to anyone that God just told me I need to kill my son? Like, it goes against everything that you could possibly imagine. And you can't explain it to anyone. You can't explain it to your parents, your, your wife, no one. Nobody's going to understand because God told you that you need to kill your son. And I think it just kind of represents like he, Abraham is like the representation of what a walk of faith is like. 
every part of his story is so individualistic in a sense because all of our walks of faith are very individualistic we all have our own callings we're all part of the body of christ right we all have our own roles in the body of christ and christ will call us to do specific things in the body now abraham was called to do amazing things with great faith and nobody was was going to be able to understand what he was called to do And how many more examples in the Bible do we have of people who who made great strides of faith? We have Elijah, right? What did God tell him to do? Israel is is in ruin, idolatry, all of this stuff. And God says what to him? Go sit next to the brook of Cherith for two and a half years. Don't do anything. Don't preach. Nothing. You're going to sit there. Don't worry. I'll feed you. Don't worry about it. But you're not going to do ministry. So how many people today... In our world, if Elijah was here right now, would look at him and be like, why aren't you out there preaching? Why aren't you out there evangelizing? You're like the greatest evangelist ever, right? You're Elijah. Why aren't you out there preaching to the people right now? Well, how is he going to explain to, to them that God told him to sit by a brook for two and a half years? It's crazy, right? We'd all be looking at him and be like, he's ineffective in ministry. Kick him out of the church. I don't know something. I don't know what, what people do. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, we'd all be looking at him and being like, you're crazy. Get out there and preach. These people are, are, are damning themselves to hell right now with their actions. But God told him, sit by the brook. And that's what Elijah did. And because of that, he gets the call down fire from heaven later. Um, now, what about Eliza? Uh, uh, Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah. God told him to walk around naked for like three years or something like that and then ezekiel he had to lay down on his left side for three and a half, for 370 days it's absurd how are any of these people going to explain to everyone else that god told them to do it and yet we can look back at these people and be like wow what a man of faith that's so amazing how how did they have so much faith to do that for god but in the moment how many of us would have said that guy's crazy I don't know what he's doing. And that's kind of how it is for so many people in their walk of faith. God has probably called you to do something that was absurd, that you probably couldn't explain to anyone. And, and when you try and articulate that to other people, they might look at you and think you're crazy. Like what Tatiana was saying, she's talking to all of her, her friends who aren't saved, and they think she's crazy. Look at, look at Noah. Noah, when he's building the ark in the wilderness, how many mockers did he have? It was literally Noah, Methuselah, and Enoch. Like, those are like the only three righteous people left on the planet. And Noah's out there with his sons building a boat. And how is he supposed to explain that God told him that there's going to be a flood? It makes no sense. Now, that's how it is for so many of us when we're called to do something by God. It might seem crazy to everyone, but it's what he told us to do. And we can either choose to be faithful or disobey. And, um... Uh, I guess going back to this, the body of Christ, if we look at verse, this is where my little preparation comes in, verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not the eye, I do not belong to the body. Um, I can just skip ahead and then skip down to 21. If you go down to the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Because when we're all part of the body, like we said, Chuck's eyes, he can't preach right now because he can't see, apparently. 
<laughs> but you see, you see what I mean? Like, if one part of the body hurts, the whole body suffers. It suffers immensely. Now, some of us might be called to do amazing things. Like, we look at Billy Graham. That guy was called by God to evangelize, to, to massive crowds, right? And it was, he had an amazing ministry, right? But there are some people who God calls to do tasks that nobody will notice, that, that nobody will even pay attention to. Maybe, maybe God calls you to be a farmer your whole life. And you, being a man of faith, you have to listen to that call of God. And you have to do what God told you to do. And when people look at you, let's say the body of Christ, what if, what if someone came to you and said, God called me to be a farmer my whole life? What, what would you say to them? It's like, well, that's kind of like... Are you sure that's what he called you to do? Like, but there are so many people who are not called to anything great like Billy Graham. And now can Billy Graham, being like this, this big part of the body, like that, he's the head, right? He's the head. Can the head say to the feet, we don't need you? Can the head say to the farmer and say, your calling from God's not good enough? Why aren't you preaching, why aren't you preaching like me, Billy Graham? Why aren't you doing that? Well, that's not how the body works. God calls us each to do specific things, and it's our job to take our calling and to do the absolute best job we could possibly do wherever we're called. That's what we're called to do. It's so much more amazing. I I have so much more respect for people who are walking by faith and doing things that seemingly don't make any sense. Like that story that he told the other day of that guy who's working on on Wall Street in like the lion's den, basically, right? No one in there is saved. But that guy's like, I I can't explain it. I just feel called to work here. I, I just can't leave. And then you see the story, like later the, the, the planes hit the buildings and, and he's up there evangelizing to those people. He's, he's, he fulfilled his call and it's amazing. So that's kind of like the direction that, that we have to take from this passage is like we have to take whatever God's call is for our lives and just do it, even if we can't understand it. You think Abraham understood what God was trying to do when he told him to kill his son? No, we just have to walk by faith. We have to be walking by faith, like the night of faith. We have to be able to trust God no matter what he calls us to do. Whether it's being a Billy Graham or whether it's being a farmer, we just have to accept whatever God tells us to do. Now I'm going to take a drink. <clears throat> right. <laughs> okay, just checking the time because I usually go over. I promise I'd keep this short. Um, Now, there is a proverb. Actually, I I think I gave it to them. Proverbs 20. Oh, it's up. Okay. Yeah. So Proverbs 20, 24. A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? I love that one because it's like. We can plan all we want. It's like the, I think it's James chapter 5, maybe, when he's talking about when oh, you foolish people, you adulterous people, how can you, how can you, um, I listen to this all the time, she knows I know it, uh, how can you say, I will go into this town and do business and such and such, and then whatever, and then at the end of it, he's like, you, what you ought to say is, you should say, if the Lord wills it, we will go into this town and do business and such and such. It's because we don't know what's coming next. And I joke, that's why I don't plan, but um, 
Um, But we we really don't know. We don't know what God is going to call us to do. But we have to be willing to give up everything, to not love the world, to give up everything, to step aside from whatever we are in currently, and to follow God's call into the wilderness like Abraham. Abraham left his entire family in the land of uh, whatever, us or something. He left his whole family and went off into the wilderness, into a place, into a land he didn't know. Er, that's it. Um, I said us. <laughs> I got it halfway. Um, yeah, so you're getting, you're, he got called into the wilderness. And Elijah, the, one of my favorite parts of that, that whole story is when he's sitting by the brook, after the two and a half years is up, God's just like, okay, now you're going to go into this weird town and you're going to talk to some weird woman who you don't know. I'm not going to tell you who it is. You're just going to walk into the town and then figure it out, basically. And Elijah's like, all right, yeah, I've been sitting by this brook for two and a half years. I may as well. And then he goes, and then sure enough, God prepared a widow for him to take care of him. But he didn't know that that her son was going to die. He didn't know that there wasn't going to be any food. I guess he kind of should have known because of the famine. But he... All he knew is that God was going to provide for him because his faith, I always describe faith as like a muscle. His faith muscle was getting strengthened for two and a half years every day when that raven came with the food. And then when he goes into that town, he doesn't know where he's going to get his food from. He doesn't know who's taking care of him. All he knows is what God told him. And then sure enough, he gets there and God provided for him. How many verses about God providing for us are in the Bible? So we don't have to be in fear when we walk out into the wilderness following God's call, because we know that he'll take care of us. That's why all these people who are telling us to prepare so much for the trail, I'm going to like, I'll figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. But I guess bringing this, bringing this full circle, bringing this back around, we are sometimes called into ministry that on the outside looking in, it may seem ineffective. It might seem like this guy is failing. It reminds me of that story of the the missionary to, I think it was Korea, the guy who was on the boat and the soldiers boarded the boat and they killed him. And and he prepared for for like three years, learning the language, getting over there, translating the Bible, all that stuff. He comes in and then immediately as he's finally pulling into Korea after all this preparation, killed just like that. You guys have probably read The Tip of the Spear, I think it's called. Uh, it's the book. I don't know. It's the guy um, who got speared by that tribe, remember? He prepared for years. Him and all of his friends prepared for years. They get there, immediately killed. Just like that. It, on the outside looking in, you're, we're looking at this guy. And we're like, all that preparation, all that time wasted, and he failed. He didn't save anyone. But then you look at the, the guy in Korea. They took that guy's Bible, and they plastered the walls with it. And people would come in and read it. And that, that was what he was called to do. But on the outside looking in, we're like, what was that, God? Did, you didn't take care of him. You didn't do what you said you were going to do. He died. And he didn't fulfill his mission. He was supposed to save them, right? But he didn't. And they died. And, and, and we can look at that and be like, what happened? Did God's promise fail? Of course not. Because God's plan is so much bigger than our plan ever could be. So we have to understand that our call might not make sense. And to illustrate this, I want to go to Isaiah 6, um, because this is, I think, one of the best examples um, of how 
we view ministry and thinking it needs to turn out a certain way. Like when, when, when uh, someone says, oh, I'm called to evangelize and I'm going to save the world. But what if that's not God's plan? What if that's not God's will? Because sometimes God's plan is so much different than ours. And I think Isaiah 6 really brings that in. Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the voice, voice of the Lord say, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, this is Isaiah, here I am, Lord, send me. He said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people callous. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said to the Lord, for how long, O Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. That doesn't sound like what we usually think successful ministry looks like. But that's what God wanted. God had had it with those people. And this is what he wanted to happen. And you may have thought that God would be like, go and preach to them so that they, so they, they might turn. But God knew they wouldn't. He knew their hearts. And that could be exactly the type of environment that we're in now. It could be too late, and it could be God's will to judge the nation. But I, I don't know necessarily. It's just kind of what I'm thinking about um, based on talking to a lot of people. Um, but you see what I'm going for. Like it, in our eyes, a successful ministry would be like Billy Graham's. Like he saved all these people, right? But God just told Isaiah that you're going to preach to these people until they're destroyed. You're not going to convert anyone. They are going to be destroyed. But God does not judge a nation without sending a messenger. And that's who Isaiah is here. Isaiah warned them. That was his job. He was a warner. And it was up to the people to turn, but they didn't. Their hearts were hardened, their ears were dull, their eyes couldn't see. So, I don't know. That's kind of where I'm going. I don't know what else I'm going to say now. That's all I prepared for. Um, bring it around full circle. <laughs> I like that. See, this is why he's a preacher. Um, get another drink. That is where I wanted to go with it. Thanks, Dad. Um, yeah, so if you think about it, are you personally being called somewhere to do something, to go out into the world somewhere crazy, the Philippines, some, like, weird place? I tell you, when I told my friends I was going to the Philippines, I thought I was crazy. But most of them weren't saved either, so I guess it makes sense. It is, it is often that the people with the littlest faith will, will mock the ones who are out there doing it. I, I remember hearing a quote. It's like, um, it, it was from some like old father, church father, but he said something along the lines of the, the walks or the steps of a man walking by faith are foolishness to the world because they can't see that he is led by the spirit or, or something like that. And I, that was like, it reminded me so much of that proverb. Um, we, we don't know our steps. We just follow God's call. But do you have like enough faith personally to follow God's call wherever he's calling you to be do you have enough faith have you have you been exercising your faith muscle enough to to walk out into the wilderness 
to be like Abraham, to be like Elijah. It's a big call. It's scary. It's terrifying. I think I still think walking up to people and talking to them is terrifying. But we do it because uh, Tatiana makes me. And it's... <laughs> yeah, I make her talk first sometimes. Uh, but... But remember what we went to earlier. We all have our own call. You might not be called to go out into the wilderness. You might just be called to be a farmer. You might be called to do anything. I know I'm not personally called to be an evangelist. That's not my gift. But I do it out of obedience and because Tatiana has that gift. And my gift, and you see this working when you're out in the... Um, in, in the field, you know, doing stuff. I remember we were on campus and there came a moment where a, a group, an, an atheist came up and this like young girl, uh, what was her name? The Ode. Ode came up and she was like this sweet girl from like Quebec or something. Yeah, Canada. And she was so into talking about like the emotional aspects of of faith and stuff like that. And that's what Tatiana's great at. So that's her gift to talk about that type of thing. But then I'm over here doing apologetics with the atheist, keeping him away from Ode because it wouldn't be productive, right? So, like, I'm doing this, and they're doing that, and then this other guy comes in. What's the encouraged guy's name? George. Yeah, George comes in, and, and George is encouraging us the whole time. He doesn't have the gift of evangelism. His gift is encouragement. And, and he was awesome. He came up and he's just like, you guys are doing a great job. I love to see you out here. And he would come by almost every day and, and come encourage us every day. It's, it's so often that we'll be out doing stuff, street preaching, talking to people, and you're getting rejected and people are like saying all kinds of awful things about you. Then one guy comes up and encourages you and it's like, whoa. It's like, wow, the mood just changed. We are winning we're winning now. Like, that's what it feels like. It's like you went from being beaten down, like, I just want to go home, and then someone comes up and encourages you, and then all of a sudden it's like, wow, I could be out here all day. This is the best. So if you ever see anyone out there and you have the gift of encouragement, you better go encourage them. Be part of the body. You know, we're all body of Christ here, remember? Um, and, and I remember this one time we were in Daytona, and we were out there all day, and it was like five, and we usually don't eat because it's, we're so busy. And this guy comes up. Um, with the, the motorcycle with a huge cross on it. And he just gets out. He's like, I saw you guys out here earlier. Here, take some Chick-fil-A. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. And we were so energized all of a sudden. It's like the, these little encouragements, this, the gift of giving, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gift of giving, the gift of encouragement. All of these work together, work together to further the, the body of Christ. No part can neglect its role. The foot cannot say, I'm not important. The eye cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. We are all important. We all have to do our part and to, to further the body of Christ. We all have to be strong together. When one part of the body is hurting, we all have to come to their aid. Just like we did, we put our, place our hands on them, pray for them, make, make sure everyone is doing okay in the body. And that also means that you have to kind of be a little vulnerable and tell people when you're not okay in the body, right? So it's okay to do that too. We don't all have to be like strong, you know, it's okay to be weak sometimes. And that's kind of where I wanted to go with all of it. So are you called to do anything? 
what's your calling? What's your gifting of the Holy Spirit? Are you an encourager? Are you are you uh, an evangelist? Are you a preacher, teacher? What uh, do you? Uh, I don't know. What are all the gifts? There's a lot of them. <laughs> just look at the list. There's tons of them. Like, just find your gift and then do that to the best of your ability and pray to God for more gifts because He gives more than one. He can give you more than one. Just pray for more and more gifts of the Holy Spirit and then use those gifts to the best of your ability. Whether it's to be a farmer or Billy Graham or whatever, just do whatever you're called to do. That's it. You want to end it in prayer for me? I forgot. So, Josh and Tatiana, when do you actually leave for the Appalachian Trail? On Thursday. Would it be okay if you guys came up and we prayed for you guys? And again, if anyone would like to come up, please come up. Yeah, you can't refuse. <laughs> so, if anyone would like to come up, we'll lay hands on them, just like we did for Chuck as well, and pray for their ministry. And, of course, they're just beginning their married life together, and they have just so many things to work out. And uh, I know Tatiana probably has a plan, and Josh doesn't, but everything's going to work out because God is involved in this. So, if you want to come up, come on up. So, again, I'll, I'll just say a short prayer, and then if you would like to, please uh, also pray for them. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for what we've heard. And we thank you for, the, uh, for bringing together Josh and Tatiana as they have been married and, and as they are starting out on this uh, marriage relationship. But also if you have put the fire of, of uh, this call uh, to, to evangelize, God, in their hearts, we we thank you for that. We thank you for their obedience to it. And even in the face of, of objections from family and uh, it somewhat seeming like a, a, a crazy call to some or to most. God, you, you have put that in their heart and you have made them faithful to it. So we ask for your provision, God, as they leave this week and as they look to these months ahead on the trail not knowing who they will meet or, or, or maybe what one day will look like from the next, but just following you and being faithful to this call. We ask for your provision in all they do, God. Lord, we just lift them up to you, Josh and Tatiana, right now, and just pray for a hedge of protection around them um, as they go. Um, so many things can just get in the way, Lord, but we just know that you have a way to just clear all paths, uh, your path for them. So we just pray for that, that that hedge just burns brightly with your light. Uh, Holy Spirit, just fill them, uh, give them all the words to say, none of the words not to say, Lord, that they'd always look to you uh, for everything and uh, just continue this, this journey forward, Lord. We just thank you for them and thank you for the great work that they're doing for you. And we just thank you for all those little encouragements and gifts and things along the way that just keep them going, Lord. Thank you for all the gifts that you give us so that we can all together uh, do what's right for you. 
Lord, uh, we ask that you continue this wonderful calling for Joshua and Tatiana. Lord, it's been a miracle how you've called them, how quickly you've called them together, dear Lord. And now we pray, dear God, that you'll be with them in the next step of this wonderful journey, this wonderful ministry, this wonderful marriage. We pray, dear God, you'll be with them every step of the way on the Appalachian Trail. I think it's over 2,000 miles, dear Lord. And we pray, dear God, you'll fill it with souls that need to hear about you. Because we know that Tatiana and Joshua will be more than happy, more than happy to share about the Lord Jesus Christ with each of them. So, dear God, we just pray that you'll bless them, you'll watch over them, you'll put a protective edge about them, but, Lord, you'll also turn out many that need to hear from Joshua and Tatiana. We pray all that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that your word says that each and every one of us in this room is an ambassador for Jesus Christ, Lord. We are to represent you to a lost and dying world around us, Lord. We thank you for this particular ministry you've called Josh and Tatiana, uh, that that, that Christ is the center of their marriage, Lord, and their marriage will be a a picture of heaven to come, Father God. It's just incredible, you know, the blessings that you've given us in a Christian marriage, Lord. And I pray that you put a hedge of protection around them, lead them, Father God, and we, we can trust, knowing that, uh, Holy Spirit, you will be convicting those of guilt that they come into contact with. Lord Jesus, you say, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all men to me. And, Father God, you're the one who grants repentance. So, Lord, I just pray that they will walk in the freedom and the joy of knowing that they can't save anybody. None of us can, Lord. But it's all you, Father, the triune God, who's just giving us the divine appointments and bringing people to us, Lord, in whose hearts you're working on from before that this, this earth even existed, Father. So, Lord, be with them. Give them divine appointments every day. Just help them stay close to you and stay in the, uh, the, the quiet times and, and uh, in the Bible, the Word of God. And, Lord, just being able to live out that love that you've, you've birthed within their hearts for those who are lost and don't know you, Father, who are just uh, basically they're just they're, their lives are swirling out of control, Lord, and you want them to know the joy and the peace of, of knowing Jesus Christ and, and uh being able to look forward to heaven someday. Thank you, Father, for this young couple. And just bless the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.